Hi, this is Steve Peters, and you're listening to Inspirato Projecto. Wow, I am so excited to share this part two, this riveting conversation with Steve Peters and Nick Tierce, the masterminds behind Mesmer and Braid. Go to mesmerandbraid.com. This is an alternate reality game. If you don't know what that is, you will know what that is soon enough. Uh, And plus, you always got the uh, Google machine there to check it out. Hold on to your hats because this is going to knock your socks off. There is so much information here, so complex, so convoluted. Mesmer and Braid is one side of the coin of a game called Hollow Vista. Well, I would say it was more it's more of a quantum coin. A a a multi-layered, multi-leveled yin-yang, so to speak. So mesmerandbraid.com was the game that that you you you'd play in real life. You'd follow the exploits of Blurbex 49, which, by the way, go to TikTok and look for Blurbex 49, or you'll hear you'll hear us talk about them. Uh, you'd follow you'd follow this stuff, and then it was all leading up to the release of Hollow Vista, this extraordinary new game that you can download on your. It's an app. It's so much fun, so much fun. This is recorded through the Anchor app. And what happens sometimes with these situations is that you get these technical surprises, as David Lynch calls them, happy accidents. And you'll notice there's a, there's a glitch in here where it sounds like I'm talking over them or they are talking over me. Um, that is not the case. Well, tiny, tiny portions is the case because we're so excited to get out the information that we're inspired to get out. However, there are parts where I might say an entire sentence directly uh, underneath the sentence of something that Steve is saying, or Steve starts talking underneath something I'm saying, it's not that we're we're in, we're doing that intentionally. It just it's so strange how the uh, sound mix happened to work that way, and I did the best I could in alleviating some of that stuff. But there was so much good information I could not chop out a lot of it. Doesn't happen all the time. It just happens sometimes. So I'm just kind of forewarning you. It does not ruin the experience. I would say it even enhances it. So uh, get ready. Get ready. We're about to hear a fun fact from Henry D. Horse and uh, our resident historian. And then, uh, and then we're, we're kicking right off with this extraordinary, extraordinary interview. Thank you for listening. Ready? Yoda was almost played by a monkey. According to the book... The Making of Star Wars by J.W. Rinsler, George Lucas originally planned for Yoda to be played by an adorable monkey wearing a mask and carrying a cane. Huh, what do you think of that? Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. Oh, it's just, it's such a joy. And it's so interesting to see. Right. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you guys met at an ARG convention tells me that ARGs have been around a lot longer than I even anticipated. I think the first time I came across mm. an ARG was when Cloverfield right. came out and they had the Tegruato and Slusho. And I went down the rabbit hole on that. And I'm going, what the heck? And my, my infatuation with those things then, of course, um, ended up influencing my friends to go see Cloverfield there you go. with me, you know, because I'm like, you guys, you know, and I'm explaining yeah, all the backstory. That was a lovely, was that was like, a lovely one. And also, you know, the, the thing that really made me want to 
work in this space at all. I had I had followed ARGs for years just as a casual observer, but the first one I really, really dug my teeth into and made sure I was at every single event was the Why So Serious ARG for Dark Knight. Oh my God! I remember oh man, the Comic Con Comic hunt was one of the most incredible one, things. And when I played that, I thought to myself, "Oh my God, I've never done anything like this. I'm going to work with the guy who designed this by hook or by crook." And, <laughs> and sure enough, here I am today talking oh. to you with the guy who did. Oh, dude, you gotta be kidding me! This is great. Oh my God, you know, you guys, it's so great because those those folks who are the visionaries who are just plotting forward and just delighting in the realities that they're creating there, it then becomes a beacon and an, and also a permission slip for for the others who are involved in that to kind of go, hey, guess what? I'm over here, and go, oh, oh, you're over there. Okay, cool. Now I know where to find you. And then you join forces, man, and it's just. It must be so much fun for you guys. It, it, it is, you know, and I liken together. it to, I mean, we've got this really unique little artist colony of creators in this space. Um, you know, the world's a pretty small place when it comes to this sort of thing. And, you know, back when there were our conventions back in the day, I mean, it was really, it was, it was really, really great, a lot of fun. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, I liken it to, what was it, you know, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien used to get together and, you know, you know, the, the Inklings, they had this group of guys that would just get together at a pub and talk about their stuff. And, you know, we look now and it's like, wow, what a big impact, you know, these these two authors had on 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 literature. Right. And, you know, same thing with the artists uh, in Paris around the turn of the century. You know, you had, you know, uh, Monet and all these guys hanging out together and, you know, each other's work. And, yeah, and, bounce, and bouncing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the beach, the Jack right? Jack Kerouac yeah, and Ginsburg. Ginsburg and I forget days. what they were called. Um, but, you know, this has been a similar thing. And, and you know, the, we've, we've gravitated together. And it's funny because Nick is like me back, you know, he's like a, he's like a, a time warp version of me, right? He... He started, you know, he started by doing his, you know, the fan, <laughs> the fan arg for, you know, the optimist for the, the movie land Tomorrowland, you know, the and, you know, I got my start doing a fan arg for the matrix, the second matrix movie. And it's like, you know, we just love the form of this so much that it's like, you know, I got wind of, of the fact that, you know, the Wachowskis were pitched an arg, but didn't chose not to do one. Uh, and so I thought, well, we're going to do one then because it needs, oh my it God. needs a, it's a natural thing for, for an ARG. And um, you just learn, you just get into it by doing it. And, uh, and then people notice, you know, it's like, that's, that's how it's been working for, 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 I think both of us. I mean, we both kind of got into it just by doing it because we love doing it. And uh, lo and behold, we're kind of, you know, sort of mostly maybe making a living at it. Right. So uh, very lucky in that respect. I mean, um, but it's been a it's been a fun, interesting road, roller coaster of a, of a road. That's for that's for sure. But it lets and it since, uh, since Steve has vaulted into the world of comparing us to illustrious artists of history, uh, I, I I would like to add one yes, more yes. comparison. I like to think <laughs> yes. of us rather than. Tolkien and Lewis or any of those gentlemen. I like to think of Steve and m me and all of our all of our buddies more like the American Zoetrope guys. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so, sure. So Steve, so Steve, Steve, you're you're uh, you're Coppola. That's great. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. No, I think so. I think you're Coppola. <laughs> I love it. The Coppola of ARG. I'm quoting you. That's perfect. Well, I'm definitely <laughs> the oldest one, so that's for that's that's for sure. That's for sure. Oh my God! Now, 
Were, did you guys, you had um, been Dungeon Masters grown up? Were you guys? My, my nerd secret, my nerd confession is I've never played a full game of Dungeons and Dragons in my life. Yeah, no, th- this is this is oh another way gosh. in which Steve and you I are very like similar. My you. greatest shame as a as a fan ha- is that I've never actually done any pen and paper role play, but I've yeah. I've read. I've read the documentation. I've I've, I've poured over some of, <laughs> some of the books. You know, I, I enjoy I enjoy it conceptually, but the opportunity really hasn't come up for me. And it is something I am seeking out, particularly right now. And uh, you know, I, I I have nothing but respect for that oh form. And I think that the lessons learned there have a huge influence on the type of stuff that we do. Holy moly, dude! You guys would be phenomenal well on on so many levels which i'm sure you've already discussed first of all inventing your own role-playing game too which you're already doing with args but i i could totally imagine you know one where people can just kind of bring along with them uh i can also imagine you guys oh yeah are really good at oh yeah that's that sort of like stuff absolutely schemes, i mean like yeah no that, that, yeah very formative, very formative but yeah i'm the same pencil and paper pen and paper games uh uh tabletop games back then i mean and i was i'm of an age when you know that was, I just wasn't secure enough in my personhood to, that was a little even too nerdy for me. I just would, I had a terrible social life already as it was. If I want to do it down that road, <laughs> it's going to get even worse. So, um, no, I, I mean, I was a right, theater like, geek, you know, that was bad enough. Right? I did, so I did, it's I did, like, yeah. oh, I want to, you know, I was in, yeah, go to computer right. lab and that was, that was geeky enough. But I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. I'm too much of an introvert even for, you know, D&D games with, you know, I just, I just get too self-conscious. It's like, no, I'll just, you know, let's do this other thing instead. So leave it up to those guys. It's like LARPing. It's like, I, you know, even when I'm LARPing or even when I'm doing things and I love it, I'm always so self-conscious. And (laughs) it's like, ah. Steve Steve does have some legendary werewolf stories though. I do. I do. I do. (laughs) Uh, Oh boy. Do you set up some werewolf? No, well, the game, the game Werewolf. I don't know if you're familiar with the game Werewolf. It's kind of a party, a party game where you know you're a bunch of villagers and one of you is a werewolf. It's very similar to that game that's popular right now, uh, that I can't think of the name of right now. That's that's basically a a game of werewolf where you got to figure out who the mole is among you, and uh, it's a social social, engineering, social parlor game. yeah. Yeah, it's a social parlor game, and 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 I. I was playing this, what I learned, you know, I look back on as kind of this epic game of werewolf. And because looking, sitting at the table with me beyond, you know, Alan Lee was I'm sitting next to, you know, uh, Nolan Bushnell, who, you know, uh, founded Atari. And then, then sitting next to me was, was, was a, a, oh a woman God. that I was actually, I, I hate to say I was a little flirtatious with. Uh, and then kind of come to realize that uh, she was Lisa Joy. Who was is the wife of uh, Jonah Nolan? Who is you know now they're doing Westworld and all this kind of stuff, and, and then also then Damon Lindelof oh my was at the table Holy with cow. us as well, and it was yeah it was like no and way. I'm like what do I stand a chance? And sure enough, you know Damon Lindelof oh led led the villagers to you know kill me uh, as he you know as his patsy because he was actually the werewolf himself, um, and and I went on to I wish I'd have been recording it because actually I. I came oh off my with God. tons of respect for David, Damon Lindelof because he did this strategy thing later in the game that I was just floored. My jaw hit the ground. He did like a double, triple, you know, a double, a double, triple uh, 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 conversion. Uh, that was like, it was legendary. But anyway, um, 
that was like one of those. Yeah, I look back on it. and It's like, did that oh really happen? Gosh, man. But, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, man. I mean, that's like the, with the kind of screenplay. That yeah. Just it's like oh, a Twilight Zone episode. It's like, let's yeah, put Steve in a room. A game of werewolf. Thing. It could have fit right into Westworld season one. It totally one. is. It could have That's crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh yeah! I'm like, how, the whole thing was just a like, game of werewolf between together? Who, invited, who knew all of these people and was able to invite them all together? <laughs> oh, oh my god! How crazy, dude! Oh my god, that's amazing! That is amazing. Now you said you did theater uh, back in the day. Were you? Were you, were you are you versed in improvisation? You guys? I, I, I did. I did a lot of theater in my young, younger days. I also. I was more. I was a musician the the first half of my career, and I did a lot of. Uh, music direction for for musical theaters back in the day. Oh. I, I acted a little bit too, but it was mostly music. Uh, yeah. Uh, keyboard, keyboard, and, and what did you, you know, play? I was the guy with the baton down in the pit orchestra a lot of nice. times. So that was fun. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was in an improv Nick, troupe actually. Do you, uh, uh, do you have improv uh, for a number for a number of years? Uh, some guys awesome. who, and I we met in high school doing improv in high school and then we decided you know we could probably go do events and so we just kind of went on the road doing little events here and there as an improv troupe that was a lot of fun but yeah no like steve i was also a theater guy um more on the performance side uh when i was in high school and that was sort of my identity at that time and uh, yeah no i there you're, you're not wrong in observing there are lessons in improv that apply to <laughs> absolutely everything in life honestly i yeah. mean I don't think I realized that about you, Nick, that you were in an improv troupe as well. Absolutely. I, I yeah. was that, and very, very briefly, I was a magician. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, I was a magician. Uh, that's my awesome. other, that's my other sad confession, living in Los Angeles. I've never well, been to the Magic Castle before. It's okay. It took me years and years to finally get there. So uh, oh, I'll take you oh. sometime. What about a yeah. Theme park? Once I mean, things reopen again, that would be that would be yeah, definitely definitely is a thing thing to do. But yeah, I was a magician until the time I did my first thing. I did a, a kids party as my first professional gig, and and they hated me. The kids booed me, and I'm like, all right, no, I'm then I'm not doing now. Oh, no. Uh oh. <laughs> what what? I don't even remember. What my finishing, finishing move was just, what was your just putting my tail between my legs. He made himself disappear. <laughs> yeah i did i made myself disappear yeah <laughs> my greatest act was yeah making myself disappear oh my god so the kids, so the kids uh, i was i was so okay so the kids Stavini, i was all the all the store-bought try to pull a rabbit out of the hat you can think what? of back in the day Oh I yeah, back in the day, yeah. they, you could go to yeah, the Savon drugstore and get magic right? kits. And, you know, yeah. Oh my god, I love it. That's great, man. That would be a oh. great premise for a movie: the magic kit magician, where he just all of his, you know, the cups and balls, the wilting magic cane, all those kind of things. That, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all those similar, yeah, similar to the role playing games. I had. Giant copy of Mark Wilson's magic book. There you um, go. Never did any of it. <laughs> awesome. I, I would read how the tricks were done. And I thought, this is amazing. <laughs> this is incredible. Never, never dip my toe into it. I just thought the book was so impressive. I was like, this is incredible. This is a huge book. It's, it's too much work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Learning those tricks is too much work. I can still do a pretty good French oh. drop, make a coin. <laughs> That's about it. It's just a lot. Of, it's like practicing the piano, man. You just got to practice. Oh, that's good. 
Holy cow. I, I mean, it was, I was at a, a, a kid's, uh, I was DJing a kid's party one time and there was a magician there and somehow, I don't know where he was hiding the bowling ball. Somehow a bowling ball. He loaded a bowling ball. Sure. That's he, hilarious. He drew it. He drew it on a piece of paper. And then the bowling ball fell off the piece of paper onto the ground. He, he puts down a pillow, and I'm like, what's, what's going to happen here? And he's like, oh, I'm drawing a bowling ball. Bet you didn't think this could become real, did you? You know, all of a sudden. Yeah, so now, now Nick and I just stick to doing said, digital magic tricks cow. That's right. Holy That's cow. Right. I got to do. Yeah. So I, how many uh, never enough. do you guys have cooking up at any <laughs> one time? You know, it's funny because and it sucks, too. Because, like, <laughs> I, I, I did a count, and by my count, I have done um, – this this marked my thirtieth project that was arg or arg like you know that had a little bit of arg in it, um, but oh the God. sad part is is most of the time oh. is taken up like hustling up the business and like doing the design and doing all the other stuff right it just, yeah. that takes up ninety nine percent of the time it's like these last six weeks of doing doing mesmer and braid those are like gold right those are when the when the game is actually live and the game is afoot. That's the best time, but man, it just happens nowhere near as often as I. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's not something. It's not as in vogue now as it was maybe ten years ago. Um, but, but it should be. You know, I think there's a lot of lessons you can take from alternate reality games that I apply to projects that I would not describe as alternate reality games. Just just for the sake of setting expectations, you know, because I think that mm -hmm. comes with a lot of puzzle expectations. But the idea of how you tell a story there, I think, can be very compelling for projects that don't want to have a full campaign. You, like, you think of the real world, like when Serial was going live for the first time, they had their podcast, but then the blog post for every episode had all these scans of things, you know? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you do that? And it's not necessarily to say that it's a rabbit hole for a huge puzzle experience, but it allows you to flesh out the story world a little bit and to allow the audience to draw correlations that are not being directly drawn in the media itself. And so, so that's kind of a lot of where I try and bring that into other things. Oh, Cause man. I do a lot of other projects that, that yeah. would never, would never be called alternate reality games, but that mentality carries through of how can we make room for the audience? You know, that's kind of what I always go back to is, can we, can we bring them into the fiction in a, in a, in a responsible way? I would I would say the same thing about mine, but the the challenge with that is trying to communicate that to to people. What can, it's like, right. well, what what do you do that differentiates what you do different, you know, than other kind of whether they're marketing things or whatever, right? And it's it's still to this day, it's it's a hard thing to communicate to a potential client that doesn't already kind of understand that kind of mindset. It's astounding you've done thirty projects, and the fact that people are just now coming across on. You know, it's just now splashing upon their shores the idea of what an ARG is. And then there's this whole explanation that goes into it. And it's like, because <laughs> it is so many things. It's so it's a Venn diagram of so many things. Like we talked about earlier, yeah. being a real life video game, uh, uh, RPG, real life RPG. Um, it's being able to solve, you know, puzzles and use your critical thinking and collaborative skills. And I mean, it's so many little pieces that fit in there together. And then so many variations within that. So for instance, you got your, your quarantine version where instead of people going out there and finding locations, you got your one avatar person that everyone's kind of uh, living vicariously through and sending, you know, sending ideas to. You got your version where there are people out there finding the geocaches and there are websites and websites and websites to those. <laughs> it's like, I mean, so many, so many wonderful herbs and spices to it and and to convince people that look this is a worthwhile thing that you 
you know, because every time that people think of Halo Vista, they're those who played Mesmer, yeah. the Mesmer and Braid. It, 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 it definitely gonna, enriches the app. It did for me. And I started playing the game for the first had. time since before we did the ARG. And I'm like, oh, this feels like an entirely different, richer game now. Because now I, I know the backstory of, of Mesmer and Braid. And it was just like that. But but no, I think you're right. I mean, the, 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 the challenge for me is like, the thing I think they have in common is this idea of making it feel like it's actually taking place, making it feel like there's no proscenium between you and the action, the story, right? That it, in whatever way you can, and sometimes they're just little ways, uh, but sometimes they're big ways, right? So it's like, oh, this is actually this is actually happening, and, and it feels real, and it's like, oh, if I see maybe there's a website, or if I see a phone number, it's like, oh, I call, you know, if I call it, there's going to be something there. Uh, you know, it just, and, and the idea of it's like, you're not being told a story, you're telling this, you're discovering the story and you're telling it to yourself, whatever possible. I think those are the, the hallmarks of the projects I try and do. And like, like Nick, I try and insert as much of that as I can, even with the, you know, the, uh, the Sea of Thieves, the banana quest. That wasn't really that wasn't really an arg as it was just kind of a classic puzzle trail. But we tried to insert as much of that whenever we could. Uh, that kind of idea, you know, it's like, oh well, let's have let's have pirates in actual places in the real world right. that they go find, right? As opposed to just like, oh, go to this eBay site and find this map, you know, and and stuff like that digitally. It's like let's put it in the real world whenever we right. can. So, and that that's another thing where it's like, even in what you call a traditional puzzle trail, there are ways. Steve is a master at this, and I've tried to inherit as much of this as I possibly can. But the idea of what type of interaction you're asking the player to do can be a mechanism for story. And it yes. can be the type of cipher, the type of obfuscation that you're using, the, the way one thing leads into another, that on its own can enrich a story world. And one example that I'm working on right now, I've been working on it for a while because animation takes longer than just about anything else to put out. But um, I, I can't say which show it is, but there's an upcoming Japanese anime show that got the idea of wanting to hide a puzzle in each episode's background art. And so the idea of, of, of a puzzle trail in the world that, really? that only the most hardcore fans would notice. But it's like, look, yeah, we could put anything on the wall or we could put anything on the desk, but we want to kind of cast puzzles in the same way you cast an actor. Yeah, what you would know? be on the wall? Yeah, yeah. What, what 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 type of ciphers did they actually use in this time period? Because it's a period show, and so the idea being, how can we how can we have everything you do and every answer to everything you do be a rabbit hole for research into actual history, which is an, another unique opportunity to enrich the story. Whoa! Oh my gosh! You know it's so funny because the more I hear you guys talk, so so Steve, you you were a short time magician. Uh, Nick, you're saying you had the book, you learned everything you could about magic, but you didn't apply it. Well, what's so funny is that everything that you guys are explaining right. no, that's true. are I, magic I, tricks. You're pulling yeah, off the magic yeah. tricks with human beings I, in real I, life. I, I go back to the movie it's Amelie, which, it's like you're which giving them an I think is actually time. a prototype to I Love Bees, right? You know, there's yes. a guy walking along and a phone rings in a phone booth and he picks up the, the receiver and there's and magic happens, right? That's That's what we want to do, you know, in whatever ways that we can in a fun way yes <laughs> that isn't sending like the movie the game that isn't sending somebody in a taxi off into the san francisco bay right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah or the man who knew too little yeah which nice. i thought was a really good representation of an arg before anyone had a name for it um so what do you guys have 
or I should say more appropriately, how many projects do you guys have in your brains that you're thinking of would be ideal projects? I'm sure you must have somewhere you're like, oh, my God, most <laughs> ideal world. Holy cow, we do this, we could do All that, of them. we do this. Um, actually, there is one project here. that Nick and I are going to make an effort to try and weasel our way into somehow coming up. Uh, but that's really all we could say. I mean, there's one that's like one of those natural, like uh, bucket list kind of projects mm-hmm. uh, that we are working on. But you know, we can't say you know. I mean, but but for me, it's like you know, my whole experience. I was just gonna say, I've got like a list of in my browser. I've got a tab, a bookmark tab that's been I've been curating over the last you know 15 years of you know cool ideas and fun things for for ARGs, um, but. My well, yeah. I should I should say my goal too is someday I want to work with Amazon and like you know if you read a Kindle book they know what page you're at I want to I like want to coordinate a package arrives at your door when you reach a certain part in a book that you're reading I mean come on that's totally doable why not Yeah, some of those bucket list awesome. things are mechanical oh like God. that yeah. like oh my gosh I've never seen anyone do this and some of them are like any writer screenwriter whatever. Uh, you know, there are properties that you'd love to work on. Yeah. And so I think that there are a lot of those where it's like certain properties are really, either you want to work on them because they're so naturally intuitive to this form, or you want to work on them because they are counterintuitive and you have a take. Like, uh, I think, you know, projects that are living in our modern world, you can very easily create an alternate reality game for them. But something that's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it seems it seems almost impossible to make it bleed into the real world in any right. kind of you know <laughs> meaningful way. But I did get very close once while I was at Google the second time to doing a, a something arg centric. This was around the time of Force Awakens, and it just didn't it, it didn't get through to them. It was not they weren't willing to. It was a bridge they weren't willing to cross, and I really can't blame them for it. But I think someone will eventually crack that nut and I, I'd like to be a part of that at some point but there are so many other ones where it's just oh my gosh the universe of this property is so so waiting for an alternate reality game to happen and hopefully some of those allow it to but who knows it's not up to us really well you know it's so interesting I mean as you're talking about that I immediately got this image in my brain of like you know how how back in ye olden days and, and people still right. do now they throw the messages out there in a the bottle and right. hundreds of years later it washes up on someone's shore and like whoa this was written in 1870. Well, what's interesting about the, the galaxy far, far away, it's so mm-hmm. funny because it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. How long ago? We don't know. But look at how advanced these civilizations were in the in the stuff. So I had this image in my brain as you were talking about that in a way to be able to blend that type of thing where maybe there right. was someone, you know, long ago, they sent out sort of a, a, a message in a bottle through, uh, you know, they shot it out there in the universe and hoping that someone would come. Washing up on our shores. The bottle doesn't end up somehow on earth, you know? (laughs) And yeah and they're like wait what's this right you know, and it was like a message that someone in one right exactly there are there, there are opportunities there but and uh, that's that that is the challenge like and the opportunity is the challenge being when you're working on a property you want your experience to be complementary to the kind of thematic balance of the thing and so the idea is how do you stumble onto a logistical explanation like that that does not right. overtake the storytelling because star wars is in essence a fairy tale and so fairy tales fairy tales don't tend to bog themselves down in logistics and so how do you how do you right. create the, the barest base logistical explanation for why the whole thing is happening and then very quickly move beyond that into <laughs> right how is this experience like that one like with hollow vista we decided very early that it was like look 
the the mobile game is going to be you know very much scrub your screen looking for objects how can we have that look and find mechanic be replicated in an alternate reality situation and so we we did that as often as we could probably not as much as as we should have but you know there were there was a couple moments where it's like no no the players had to notice something that blurbex didn't notice well and that's what's so funny too it's so funny because this is a total man it's, it's like with with this whole experience with Mesmer and Braid and then with Hal Vista, <laughs> you're, you're getting the opportunity to stand on on all sides of the mirror at, at various times through there. And what I mean by this is Mesmer and Braid made the ARG experience right. where where the where this reality became sort of a video game. Now within the Hollow Vista, that is actually turning your world into the video game right, as well. Right, right. Whether you use your finger to scrub around and look for the thing or whether you're spinning yourself around in your house, <laughs> you're taking photos. And so now you're like looking into this, 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 uh, you're looking at your phone, and you're going, Oh, what I'm really seeing right. is this reality. And I, I, so I really love so the mechanic in video games and otherwise of, of taking a photo. And I agree with other great thinkers who have. Of, of, in games who have observed how underutilized that mechanic is nowadays. Yeah. And so uh, needless to say, I am eagerly anticipating the remastered version of Pokemon Snap, <laughs> which which has its only mechanic in taking pictures, which I'm just, I, I, that's very much my pace. Well, and I'm waiting for the VR version of uh, Hollow Vista. Oh, that would be fantastic. That would be wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Steve and I are still very much on the VR oh train. Oh my God, yeah. I've been thinking so much about virtual reality lately. And I think, you know, this ARG, yeah. ARG and virtual reality are, are undoubtedly just the next, you know, the next evolution of this whole thing. And then it gets to the point where you got the, of course, I'm sure you guys have thought about this, but you got the VR helmet on your head and it just basically transposes every single thing that's already in your environment, everything. It just gives it a new skin. It just gives it like when back in the day when they came out right, with Doom, right. and then uh, people were making their own mods for it. It's like, oh, now, you, now you're shooting at Stormtroopers. And then, you know, the next thing you're, whatever it is, monsters in, in Alice in Wonderlandville or whatever. So it, now all of a sudden there's a new skin to it. So. God, now wouldn't that be fun? Gosh, right. you know, it's so crazy because you got ARG and then you got the other ARG, which is augmented reality game where you're looking through your phone and you see little, you know, leprechauns. And just like you we were talking about with uh, with Pokemon Go, if you guys, had you guys brainstormed about an idea before where it is, it is an alternate re- reality game. I'm going to let Steve take this one because uh, I need to take a quick bio break real quick. <laughs> and then I'll be right back with you. You know, I mean, we, we worked with stuff. We worked on something okay. similar in uh, yeah, when I was at Fort Worth. Okay, gotcha. We're working on a project called um, called Cathedral. That was very much that. It was it was it was uh, you know an ARG, but there was also an augmented reality version of it, and it was very it was kind of like Pokemon Go before Pokemon Go. Uh, it would work anywhere in the world, and you know, uh, uh, you know, but it it is a challenge. It's a huge challenge doing the real world stuff. Um, there's a lot of technical technical challenges. There's a lot of safety uh, and privacy challenges as well that I don't think we're we're addressing uh, to the extent that I'd like to see them addressed first. I'm a very much uh, player first kind of guy, and I keep seeing things uh, getting in the way of using the technology for other uh, that's not serving the player first. It's serving other people first, which I need if that makes sense. Uh, that I need to see solved first, um, but you know, whenever you do something out in the real world, that's all. That that is it's a huge, huge challenge. Not to say it can't be done, but you know, I think a lot of it right now, you know, with five G, uh, is, is going to be is going to be solvable. And I think with the Oculus, we've just got the Oculus Rift. Uh, you know, there's that that's a good step. It's it's affordable. It's in the right direction. That's more VR. 
I'm a big fan of location-based VR, like the Void things with the Star Wars experiences and the Ghostbusters experiences and stuff like that. I think there's some some real real uh, possibilities there. But, you know, we're getting into, like, what does the future hold? We've seen where a lot of people are trying to push various things. Most of those people have, uh, you know, ulterior motives uh, for pushing the things. I'm just waiting to see what the vocabulary is going to be. That it's like, look, and, and, and for me as an experience designer, it's always like, right. yeah, this is cool, but why is somebody going to do this, right? It's like, if, you know, I love VR, but most of the time I can't be bothered to put on a VR headset. It's like, just, I just want to watch a video. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to lug this thing around and lug it around. And, and you know, holding <laughs> my phone up for augmented reality, I think there is a step that's going to have to be taken, you know, with wearables or whatever to make that a little bit more transparent, to make the technology more transparent uh, than it is um, ah. before, before it really kind of hits critical mass. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, and I look at Pokemon Go, and obviously Pokemon Go was a big hit, and they've tried to replicate that with other properties. I think there was a Harry Potter game as well with much more limited success uh, than Pokemon Go. And I think there's a reason, you know, they're just kind of reskin the same experiences because that's kind of what we're we're limited to with the technology right now so i think i think there's a pop, there's a future there i'm getting very philosophical here uh but you know, <laughs> I, I think i think there's things that have to happen first uh yeah. that that no, may or may and you know and honestly when we want to get really philosophical it's like when the world opens up i think people are gonna the last thing they're gonna want to do is to go out in the real world and look at it through a lens they're going to want to throw all the technology away because it's going to it's going to have a an association with this pandemic lockdown period that they don't, it's like I'm never going to want to do a zoom a zoom meeting again after this right because it's always going to remind me of this it's like I want to get out of the world and I want to get in a crowd of people and I want to put my put my phone down and just like yeah. be with a crowd and enjoying an experience together right so I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens because the last thing I want to do is go out and play Pokemon Go with my nose in the screen you know it, uh, you know when I'm finally available you know allowed to go back out and be with the world and be with people again uh, you know. Right. Anyway, and that's Pokemon Go as an example is an interesting one because when you think about augmented reality, I think everyone's first vision of it is the visual version, which is we're going to place objects inside your environment digitally. And you know, I, for me, that's the least interesting yeah. version of of augmented reality because, quite frankly, most augmented reality games that have been made would be more compelling in VR, which is to say, hey. You can fight off a zombie invasion in your apartment. I don't want to fight off a zombie invasion in my apartment. My apartment sucks. Like, like I want to be somewhere cool. And so for me, like with Pokemon Go, the augmented reality aspect <laughs> is actually not the video thing because most people turn that off because there's a little switch that lets you toggle off the thing. The, the, the real compelling part of it is the location-based aspect and the kind of, oh. the kind of one-to-one augmenting of reality on the map. So basically your digital map matches up to your physical map and there is this connection. Now, I don't know that that has to this point been very compellingly leveraged in a narrative sense. I know that when when Pokemon Go was still a code name project at Niantic at the time we were there, you know, I got very excited about the idea because I thought that the the property was a perfect matchup for the technology. But I thought we also had a really amazing opportunity to tell a story with it. And uh, the more the company worked with the Pokemon company in order to see what the game would be, the clearer it became that they were simply not going to allow us to tell a story 
in that world and that that was just not something that they were willing to uh, 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 go. There was a border they were not willing to cross yet. And who knows if they will someday. But certainly my experience with the follow up, obviously, Steve and I were not at Niantic at any of the time of any of this occurring. But just as a consumer, you know, as someone who wanted to play the Harry Potter version, it it was a, a huge disappointment because narratively it didn't seem to have any cohesion with the with the property it came from and and i thought it was a huge opportunity because it's a property that deals with a secret magical world and and a hidden a hidden world so needless to say i do actually think there are some really amazing potential projects you could do particularly with geo mobile gaming games that get you out of the house games that that augment the the concept of your neighborhood and your world And, and, and i have done a lot of work in that space that has simply been shut down by the people who yeah. have commissioned it because of the risk inherent. And it is risky, but I also think that either you think that Pokemon Go is a flash in the pan accident, or you think that it is actually a new medium of, of gameplay. And I happen to think it is a new medium that has been completely constrained by its first example. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are so many things you could do, even non-narrative things, just mechanical things that literally no one has tried yet, because I'm going to be honest with you, it is too expensive for a small company to do. It is something that I believe only can be done at near Google scale, just due to the server costs of running a game of that size. The server costs are enormous. And uh, I, I would love to paint on a canvas that large again because the canvas is literally the earth. And there are, there are so many opportunities for it that I worry that that the, the train has kind of left Whoa. the station on that one. And, and we would have to have some, some and, like Steve said, real technological advancements that make it cheaper to do before we can and play. Well, and, and also technology, like just even just when you think about it, just battery life, right? It's like yeah. you turn off stuff. It's like, because, you know, the hardcore Pokemon Go gamers, they've got like five battery packs with them because <laughs> it just eats through the battery, right? It's like even, you know, all the cool stuff they're trying at Disneyland or they were before the <laughs> right, shutdown, right, right. you know, it just ate through your battery life. I mean, you couldn't leave it on because you couldn't leave because your battery would die. And, and so, I mean, that's one of the limitations, I think, you know, and bandwidth, you know, over-the-air bandwidth. So, I mean, it's coming. I think there's going to be a little pause here, but I think, you know, Pokemon Go, you know, set some interesting precedents, and I think there will be a little pause as technology catches up a little bit, and then I think we're going to see people trying, you know, because really it's like, you know, the, all, the stu- all the cool stuff to try, a lot of it is that ba- it's like, well, this is going to eat through people's batteries. You know, if we want this thing to always be aware of, you know, uh, how bright, how how bright, how loud your environment is. It's always got to be monitoring that. Well, that's going to eat up your battery, right? You know, if a monster only shows up in quiet environments, for example, right? How's it going to know it's quiet without just running all the time in the background? So that's just a stupid example of you know what's possible, but then it's not quite possible because of the technology. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> well, you know, as as things move forward, it, it's crazy how we've all seen how you know an, right. an yeah. expensive uh, Nintendo NES can can suddenly oh, yeah. twenty dollars over the course of forty years. You know, <laughs> like when when technology first comes out, you're like. Holy moly! How much for a hard drive? No, I, buy like a thumb I vividly remember like the day my family like paid. My family paid four hundred dollars for you know, a, like, a DVD crazy. player in 1997. <laughs> I vividly remember it. Oh my god! And it's nuts how that stuff. It's like, you know, then it becomes so cheap and easy to to do that stuff. So I think with my, my what I'm imagining here, the visions I'm getting here is 
with the stuff that you guys are putting out there it's at, at the prolific pace you are um both together and off on your own projects with this with bringing an awareness to arg and all the benefits that go along with it all the benefits that go along with it because uh, i think any company that is attached with an ARG and those who play absolutely ARG, that absolutely. company undoubtedly looks is looked at quite favorably in the eyes of those who play that ARG that's connected mm. with it. Like, even oh, yes. though I didn't play the, the ARG. There was a, there was one called Flynn lives and it came out during the Tron legacy where people had to get up and figure stuff out. And I thought, wow, that looks yeah. like that's really cool. People are getting together and doing that. And, uh, and the same thing with the, with the Joker, the, the why so serious, stuff that was going on there. I remember seeing you had to take certain pictures at, of certain things and put the letters together. And like, it was, it, it just, it's so cool because it brings so many people together and they, and they now become comrades. They're like, Oh, we went through that experience together. You know, Oh, I remember this guy from that other ARG experience. Oh, this guy has a good, you know, this guy's good with the technology and figuring stuff out. So it's, it's, it's really cool to see uh, like, like uh, just to refer back to that discord channel with Mesmer and Braid being in there. And seeing these people talk about these other alternate yeah. reality games or how they, I just, I love collaborative um, communal from them or like even that. some of them and, themselves you know, had their I own. That's ARGs, huge. And um, I think people, people crave and that. They do. And that's why it was really cool. I think when I was seeing the escape rooms um, starting to, to start, you know, popping up in all these different areas and bringing these minds together going, okay, you each get to be sort of a Sherlock Holmes. This is like a real life game of clue, so to speak. Okay. Figure out, figure out the, the puzzles and get out of here. <laughs> how do you, how do you do that? And uh, it's just fascinating to me to think that here I'm talking to you two guys who share this love and 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 satisfaction towards creating these worlds, building these worlds for other people to go through. And and just to imagine, holy cow, if there was an ARG convention, how many other people who are out there doing this same kind of thing? And it's just lifting up the evolution of of uh, of consciousness because it's showing people more and more examples of the of the joys that come along with working in a community and collaborating with each other where there, there doesn't have to be that competitive aspect yep. to it where that's just like, okay, that's I'm a collaborator. I'm not, a we're just more concerned about historically puzzles, which is why I suck at sports. <laughs> Man, I know what you mean. There's so much more of a joy and satisfaction when you're hanging out in a room full of friends and you're all just brainstorming and you're laughing your balls off and writing down ideas of, Oh my gosh, you know, this, this idea or that idea. And like, it's just such an extraordinary cheap thrill. I feel the same way about synchronicities and serendipities and all those magical yeah. things in the universe. It's just like, wow, what another great gift. Is yeah. And Mes Mesmerbray gave me that. I mean, for I, I can speak for both of us. It was just like see during this time, world. it was as much fun for us to do as it was for people to do it. I hope um, yeah. it's the most fun thing I've done during the lockdown for sure. Uh, it's just a pleasure. So how much of this stuff that you guys had pre-planned for Mesmer and Braid, um, was let's see let's see i get what i'm imagining is two different like or working concurrently one thing where you got the whole idea of mesmer and braid and you're going okay no matter what here's the train of thought here's where it's going all the way through or was it one of those things where you're going oh this is still kind of a malleable thing like we can still take suggestions from what the audience is saying we knew the shape of the mystery we and we knew the, the, the story that points that we played. wanted to hit and we we had designed out in advance the, the the broad mechanics of how you would get there. Um, but again, there you want to leave unpainted canvas to be responsive to the audience. And that that ranges from difficulty, you know, where there's a thing where, okay, we can make this a very simple puzzle or we can make it a two mm -hmm. or three step puzzle. And we're just going to feel out what's appropriate for each one. And you kind of leave some of those things broad. 
from a story perspective, for me, it was, you know, we had we had sketched out what every asset needed to be and kind of what point it needed to get across. But, you know, when you're doing something like this where you're digging through things, there's a signal to noise ratio that you have to balance. And sometimes things that you put in there as noise will get picked up by the community in ways you didn't expect. And so, you know, for example, there was a couple, there was a couple side, you know, speculations about Mesmer having oh. dabbled in the occult. And we just thought that that was, that was just a piece of speculation because he makes such weird buildings. How could you explain it? And so someone would have guessed yeah. that. But it was latched onto by the community so hard that, that we kind of had to say, okay, we're never going to mention that again because we don't want to reinforce that, that we don't want to establish a setup for something that's never going to pay off. Right. Right. Oh, wow. Wow. So it's figuring out how to sort of snuff, like sort of like politely kind of sidestep a theory and go and. and yeah, I mean, you can, you, you can be and, like, and yeah, don't, of, don't go down this road. Guided, I mean, we don't want people to be frustrated. Something takes on a mind of its own uh, that doesn't lead anywhere because that just, you know, it, it feels it feels bad. On the other hand, you know, I've done things where people latch onto a character that was a minor character and just fall in love with this, this minor character. And we've said, okay, we need to, we need to write this character in more. We need to expand on this character and give them more of what they love. I mean, so it's, it's, you know, it's both. It's like, we can, we can respond, be responsive to the things that they like, the things that they're doing right and wrong. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it is. It's like a dance. It's like jazz. It's like dueling banjos. It's like we. It's not like a chess game. It's not like we're being strategic against each other. It's like the the players are breathing life into the story, <laughs> and we want to be able to respond in a way that is. Our right. goal is just make make the experience as enjoyable and fun as possible, and as least with the least amount of frustration as possible. And if we see people going down a road that we didn't anticipate that's going to just lead to frustration, we'll try and find ways to signal that. Yeah, don't spend too much time on this because it's not—it's not, it's not going to lead anywhere. Whether you know, in whatever way we can do that within the fiction, uh, you know. But it is fun to speculate, and it is fun to watch people speculate, and that's part of it. Uh, but if they start really spinning their wheels in the wrong direction, you know, we're—we're we're here. We're, it's, it's improv. It is improv. It's—it's it's performance art in a lot of ways. <laughs> Man, I mean, some of those things like when, when Blurbex is is figuring out the code on that little that little thing which, which just looks so ancient like a relic like something you'd find in the shop where the where, right over there next to the mogwai and that thing it just had those little it looked so like an ancient relic you're like oh go over there behind and you're like what is this and you you blow off the the cobwebs and you're like what is this thing that that was just so impressive um how long did it take to make that thing and then second of well all, you know that that's a very high a compliment because uh, so you know how long we, did it take to make, to make that <laughs> there was we we did receive some feedback that certain objects people felt were not uh distressed enough and it's a it's a difficult balance to distress something because I think there's an expectation, I don't know if it's through movies or whatnot, but there's an expectation that objects that are old will be much dirtier than they actually would be in reality. And so there's this balance where it's like, okay, how dirty can we make it, but not too right. dirty that you can't interact with it, and also not too dirty that it just doesn't make sense that it would be that dirty, and especially things that have been locked away in a box. Uh, and so, you know... There, it's a difficult balance, right. and with that one in particular, that was not like many props. Yeah, that was a situation where we 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 purchased a base cryptex that was you know regularly available to anybody, and we augmented it and added parts and added end caps and added brackets so that it would not look like something that was off the shelf. 
that would look like something. And then after you do that, you you add on the layers of distress, grime, dirt, uh, scratches. And thankfully, it was actually metal. So when you cut into something that's actually metal, you're seeing the actual raw metal underneath. Wow, man. It just, the, the items, just all items looked sturdy. They looked like <laughs> they really were sturdy. And you're talking about right? yeah. some of that. <laughs> some know, of that is an illusion. Uh, I mean, certainly there were, there were the props that the paint was still wet when we were filming them. <laughs> and they, 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 they only lasted as long as we needed them to. And some yeah. of them, some of them, some of them were sturdier than others. Some, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we're still, we're still figuring out right now where those are going to end up and who, who among the team would like to have each one. And, and some of them will need a little bit more love before they're delivered to their final homes but uh yeah i think uh steve steve's gonna end up with that cryptex and i uh, one of the end caps fell off i need to reattach that (laughs) now with the codes um okay you guys were talking about uh you know it's a dance it's jazz it's improv with the with the audience and when, when you got a treasure trove of different codes um and the steps involved with figuring out those codes uh um and and how do you how do you determine in your brain like like number one you're thinking okay well i don't want to insult the intelligence of these uh, of these argers yeah you know ar gamers here um um i don't want to insult their intelligence so let's make it a three or four step process and then and which of those times we're like oh my gosh that's that's like so cryptic how the heck are they going to find that and then you're going oh well they haven't gotten you know they haven't figured it out yet so how the heck do we what 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 else is needed from us to kind of get them you know to kind of get that last sure i mean yeah wait waiting difficulty of a puzzle is at the end of the day we got to go with our gut uh because of (laughs) using our experience uh and and even then it's still i don't know how many times it's like oh they'll get this in in five minutes and then it takes them eight hours or vice versa they'll get this in eight hours and they solve it in five minutes um we're always surprised it's really hard to just kind of gauge that level of 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 difficulty, the level of difficulty though can can very quickly and easily be adjusted by some sort of, you know, whatever accompanying clue or flavor text or you know, there's usually the puzzle itself and there's usually like an initial like set of I don't know, it's the context that it's in that can give a hint to what needs to be done, and it's usually you can usually adjust it by adjusting whatever that we'll call it flavor text or or, or clue is. Um, but in the case of a puzzle not being solved, it's it's a matter too of determining why it's not being solved. You know, where is it that they're disconnecting, and cluing that piece as opposed to the final answer, right? Um, right. So, and and the clues to a, an unsolved puzzle that's every bit as much something that has to be carefully crafted as the puzzle itself, because the last thing you want to do is say, oh, well, here's a clue, and it just leads people right to the answer, uh, because that's no fun. Then they feel like, oh, well, we, if we wait around long enough, they'll just clue us to the answer, right? You don't want that to feel like that's the case. But if they're getting tripped up on something, and you know that it's fair and it's not broken, our tendency is hands off as long as possible, uh, yeah. because we don't want to rob somebody of that of the, the joy of solving that for the community. And if we know that they've, they've, they've got the right pieces and we know they're like almost there, we'll, we'll stay hands off. Uh, if we need a little nudge, we'll, we'll may do that at the last minute. Sometimes things are time sensitive uh, with these things and you kind of have to just kind of give them that little nudge in the direction that they need to go. I think we had to do that once, once in yeah. this, in this, in this case, we had to do a little yeah. hot fix. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> so, well, like, for instance, two things that popped in my brain is the, the pyramid that had, I don't know if that was last, uh, you know, and someone had to decide. No, that was a digital composite. Yeah, that was. That a, fence. The, I mean, was how the heck did that work? Yeah, and just broadly in terms of the design, like, like the solutions well, yeah, are fairly like fixed. I mean, sometimes you have to change something for whatever reason. But, you know, there is a bit of flexibility in terms of, well, how many steps will it take them to get to that solution? And it's more of a feeling of, when, how can we start small and get more complicated? And and right. you're kind of feeling that out as you go as to what is appropriate at each each particular moment. And that for me was one of the biggest thing that changed from the beginning of this process to the end of this process was you know when we were initially commissioned by Aconite the the broad concept was to create an alternate reality game that told this backstory and that was accessible to people who have never played an alternate reality game before. And the big part was. Uh, 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 let's make sure it's playable on a mobile phone. Um, and so that was a huge thing that we thought at the very beginning and how we could structure the experience. But once the player base that was at the tip of the spear, as Teefs said, was populated with a lot of veteran alternate reality game players, we, we turned that knob up. Uh, and and that, that to me was the thing yeah. where it's like, okay, how can we, how can we mm -hmm. preserve the shape of what we've done and also, in a complementary right. way, turn up the difficulty of these puzzles, not to a level, not to an extreme level, because if we do that, people start to think that that's the point of the whole experience, you know, that that, 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 that is the reason this exists. And so I, I feel like we, with most of the puzzles, I think we struck a pretty mm -hmm. darn good balance mm -hmm. of playing completely fair every time, but also saying, okay, look, there's going to be there's going to be gradations to this. You're going to, there's going to be, you're not just going to do one thing and be done most of the time. You're going to have to put things together from various different uh, sources. Yeah. I like and, to think of it more of as adding levels of complexity rather than adding yeah. difficulty. Cause it's like yeah, any, 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 any jerk can make a really, really difficult puzzle, but um, that that's not, that's not fun to solve. We wanted the challenge is always to make something that feels challenging. That makes you feel really smart for having solved it and and it's, it's fun to do and that's that's always the goal and you need and that, to that, that gets down to the idea of of co of, co of co competition versus collaboration and i think right. that well steve speaks brilliantly about this in terms of escape room design which is there are those who love competition and so for those people a a, a solve score uh, you know a solve ratio for a room that's very low is oh my gosh it's a challenge no one can finish this room but it's also not fun for 90% of the people who play the room, right? Yeah. God, that is so true. Well, you got, I got to say, you guys have figured out, you guys were just the maestros of this. Talk about the jazz, talk about the improv, the give and take, all that. Um, you guys really figured out the temperatures in just the right ways of, uh, of what was getting boiled too much, what needed to sit on the, you know, a lower flame. Uh, it needed a little longer time on the stove there. Um, even I'm just also getting the images of like um, people pointing out during Blurbex's uh, trip and, and they're like, oh, it looks like there's a blue and red ball there. And then Blurbex goes back and he finds out, oh, these are like there are jars. There's something going on in here. And so even those little things, it's like it's so crazy because you, you like you had to rely on the eyes and the pers uh, perceptions of those who are used to playing ARGs and scanning yeah. every yeah. little frame by frame. Very, clue. very often when we're you, building these that, things, the question gets asked often, do we want to give this to them I mean, or do you want them amazing. to find it? 
and 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 we would try and make it so that they found things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we did need to get we, we felt like oh we need to just give them this because it led to some you know whatever. But that was a question very often that would that would that would whiffle back and forth sometimes in the moment just as we were building it. It's like should we give them this? Do we find it? Do we obfuscate it a little bit? And we would just you know just go by our gut at the time. It would change. We could have planned it all along to be given to them or. Uh, and then we change the last minute, make it something for them to find and vice versa. So what what are ways in which, um, let's say, potential uh, people who want to work with you guys in the future, some big companies that want to utilize the ARG concept? What are great ways for them or other fellow, you know, f- fellow explorers? Oh, for me, you can, what are some ways you can just go to think, um, you'd like people to be able uh, to get me, a hold of you? Uh, and uh, there's or a even form there you can fill out uh, that, that emails me. Or I'm on Twitter, uh, or I'm on Twitter, VPI Steve, uh, or Instagram, the real Steve Peters. <laughs> this, this is I'm, the real I'm Steve Peters. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. I'm talking to the real Steve Peters. Thank God it's not a, a tulpa or a doppelganger. This is the real deal today, folks. Sure. Uh, yeah. My website is so, nickteers.com, just my name.com. And m- most active on social media on Twitter at Nikki T. That's N I C K Y T E A. And yeah, that's where I, that's where I usually live. Uh, I try and post, uh, uh, anything that I'm doing on there and I will apologize in advance for the amount of fandom related tweets that people, uh, (laughs) that's that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what are there, are there any projects or anything right now that you want to point people towards maybe projects that are still, you know, active. Uh, uh, not not for me. Go to Mesmer Braid and take the test to, if you haven't already. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's great to remind people that, you know, we, we did take care to design this oh, as something yes, that is yes. uh, available in perpetuity to dig into. And so anyone who's curious about Hala Vista and wants to know more about Mesmer and Braid, I would highly recommend seeking them out and, and seeing how far down the rabbit hole you can go. And I would say if you want to see more stuff like this, like support companies like Aconite and Holovista, uh, to because the more info that we can have, the more the more cases of success that we can show for alternate reality games, the more likely other people will 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 start to take a second look at them as uh, viable ways of not only telling stories but promoting things and just just amazing stuff. I think I think they get. I think they get overlooked in a lot of ways, and I'm one of the few people out there that still believes in in them as a as a viable uh, format uh, when done correctly. <laughs> so, so uh, buy Hall of Vista. Yes, that'll, that's, that'll that's the big that's the big message here. Is please, yes. uh, if you if you have any interest, yes, yes, absolutely. Hi, this is Nick Tierce, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto. How you doing? This here's Tony Clifton. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina or in the morning. How you doing there, Wise Finger Lab? I've been um, in Las Vegas. I've been hanging out with the chickies. You know, and I don't like what Zamuda's been doing. You know, he's been playing me, you know, and I don't look like Zamuda. I'm real tall, you know, Zamuda's a short guy, very short. 
And, um, you know, Kaufman was more how tall I am. But, yeah, that Kaufman, man, he was, yeah, what a poser, you know. So, anyway, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you all later.